This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of I choose grace over legalism. I choose grace over legalism. You know, you'll notice in the Word of God the greetings and the uh, benedictions over and over again contain the word grace. For example, Romans 16, 24 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 1 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. Amen. So this grace then contains everything that God has promised and provided for you and me during this dispensation of grace. Grace is unearned, it's unmerited, it's undeserved love. It is the favor of God extended toward you and me. The Greek word for grace, we get our word charismatic from it. It's C-H-A-R-I-S. It can also be defined as a favor done without expectation of return. God's very own nature is gracious. The book of Psalms says this, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and He is abounding in mercy. So grace then is His nature. It is His mindset. It is His disposition and His attitude toward you and toward me. Grace is not the ability for us to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. From the book of Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 12, I think they'll bring it up there. And I want you to read it with me. We're going to look at it in the King James if we could this morning, and I'll read it. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age or in this present world. So the grace of God teaches us to live godly. The grace of God teaches us not to live worldly. The grace of God teaches us to live holy and to live soberly in this present age. The other thing that the grace of God is not and you'll be happy about this. It's not founded upon human performance. It's not founded upon compliance to the law or our works. It is also not cheap. Grace is not cheap. Free? Oh yeah. But cheap? No way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great German pastor, said this, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. When we're talking about the grace of God, we're talking about the highest price ever paid for a human soul that has ever been paid. The grace of God is what flows out of your gracious God. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 6 through 8. And I'm going to have you read along with me on some of these verses. Because I know even though it's 10 to 12 on a Sunday morning, some of you might still need a couple shots of espresso. So let's let these scriptures be our espresso today. 
expressed, amen, from the Holy Ghost right into your spirit. Ready, read. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His what? Verse 8. Wherein He hath abounded toward you in all wisdom and prudence. Oh man, that's good shouting ground right there. See, He gives grace and glory. He doesn't withhold it from those who walk uprightly. He is the God of all grace. And He pours out layers and layers and layers of grace upon His people. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus Himself was full of grace. He was full of truth. The grace of God could be defined as unmerited favor. Unfortunately, the emphasis has been placed on unmerited rather than the favor of God. God's grace, one person defined it, is God's riches at Christ's expense. Say that with me. God's riches at Christ's expense. Roy Hicks said that the grace of God is the very operational power of God. I like that. So grace then is getting what we didn't deserve. And mercy is not getting what we did deserve. Thank God for the grace of God. God's grace in your life means that you are enabled to do through His grace what you could never do for yourself. His grace on our lives is the sum total of all that God did for us in Christ Jesus. And when we think about salvation this morning, when we think in terms of salvation, I just need to tell you this, grace negates human works. Grace negates human efforts. All works, both good and bad. I would remind you today that you are not saved by your good looks. You are not saved by your education. For by grace are you saved, come on somebody, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God. Raise your hands and say, I receive the free gift of God. But then he goes on to say in verse 9, not of works. Not of works. Not of works. You cannot say enough Hail Marys in our fathers to get you saved. You cannot pray enough prayer beads to get you into the kingdom of God. You cannot make some sort, say some sort of mantra or some sort of ritual to make a difference in your life. It is by grace through faith and it's not of works. Lest any man should boast. Oh, glory to God. So, if you look carefully at two books in the Bible, if you look at Romans, this reveals the inadequacy of the law based on man's moral dilemma because man without Christ is a sinner. Romans chapter 3.20 says, For by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
And then James comes along and says this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, guess what? He's guilty of the whole thing. Listen, folks, the only passing grade under the law is to keep it 100%. The law was like a seven-foot measuring stick to show us that we're six feet tall. The law was like a straight edge to show us how crooked we are. The law was like a mirror to show us where all of our problems were. And then you look at the book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews reveals the inadequacy of the law based on ceremonies that they performed year by year by year. And those ceremonies were only shadows of that which is to come. How many of you know the shadow only resembles the substance, but a shadow has no substance? You can see the shadow of an airplane. The shadow is not the airplane. It merely reflects it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, you ready to do some more reading? Get your heart in this, guys. Believe God with me today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Ready, read. Notice that it was year by year. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. I mean, bummer. What if you had to do that on January 1st every year? What if you had to re-up and bring a bull and a goat to your house and slaughter it and sacrifice it for how naughty you've been? You would be having a bummer time during Christmas season if you knew that that was just right around the corner. No, that is a religious ceremony. Now notice verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Their ceremonies had no power to change a life. But I'm thanking God that Jesus came into this earth. He was God manifest in the flesh. And in the book of Hebrews it says, it was neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. 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 Not the blood of a bull. Not the blood of a goat. But His own blood. Precious, sinless blood. By His own blood. He entered in once. He entered in one time. To obtain eternal redemption for you and for me. Oh, raise your hands and say one time. I'm eternally redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm so glad today that you and I didn't have to figure it out on our own. I'm so glad that He initiated salvation. 
I'm glad that salvation was God's idea. It's not about what you wear, what you don't wear, how much makeup you have on or how much makeup you don't have on. It's not whether you wear a ring or whether your hair is like this or whether your hair is down to here. It's not your clothes. It's about Jesus, the Son of the living God who entered in once. Amen. Let's do some more reading. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, and verse 27 and 28. Ready, read. Let's do a little better. Come on, verse 22. Stay together. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that what? There's no difference. Verse 23. Where, or verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No. Here's some shouting ground here. Verse 28, read it with me. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. You're justified by faith. You know, there was a man that treated his wife terribly. He was a brutal, brutal tyrant. And he gave her a list of 25 things that she needed to do every day. And if she didn't do it, there was hell to pay. And she would receive a tongue lashing at the end of the day. Well, one day that husband died. And she fell in love with another man and she loved him so much. And one day she ran across that list of 25 things that she needed to do. And at first she started feeling a little emotional about it. But then she started laughing. Because she realized that under this new marriage, she fulfilled every one of them without even thinking about it. And she fulfilled even more. She did it with great joy. Why? Because she loved him. And folks, there are too many people who serve God and keep His commandments out of fear, thinking that He's some sort of a, of a brutal tyrant. Paul addressed this to the church of Galatia. You see, the Judaizers were walking around saying, look, you've got to keep the law. You've got to be circumcised to be saved. But Paul said, no, I want you to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And I don't want you to be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. In other words, Christ came along and freed you from keeping the law. Therefore, you are a free man and a free woman. See, John tells us this, that this is God's love, that we not only obey his commandments, but here's what we need to understand. When God says to do something, it's never grievous. It's never burdensome. It's always for your benefit. And I just sense in my spirit this word. We must stop trying to get through our own good works. What he already got for us through his work. We must stop trying to attain the blessing by something that we do. And just realize It is done. That Christ 
has accomplished the blessing for you and me. Now look at with me in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 3. In Hebrews 4 verse 3 it says, For we which have believed do enter into what? Notice it does not say when we believe we enter into worry, but it says we enter into rest. As he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from when? From the foundation of the world. So he's likening the believer today to the children of Israel back then. And he told them, I've got a rest for you. I've got a place of promise for you. But you must enter into this with your faith. And it is the same thing today. I believe that the highest form of faith we can have is to rest in Him. We can enter into what's already been accomplished through His substitutionary sacrifice on Calvary. In verse 4 it says this. He says, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. We could say it this way, that God rested on the seventh day. After creating heaven and earth, he rested because it was finished. Say it with me, he rested, he rested because it was finished. This is a shadow of Jesus in Hebrews and of the things that would happen in the new covenant when the covenant was established after the cross. The Sabbath represents Jesus Christ. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. Jesus is your source. And when you enter into the kingdom of God, you should be entering in to Christ and His rest that you have been given freely by the King of Kings. In other words, here's what we do. We rest in what was done. We rest because on Calvary's cross, He said, it is finished. Everyone say, it is finished. finished. Say it again with me. It is finished. See, there cannot be any authentic faith without resting in what we believe is already done. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, if you would. Romans, the fifth chapter. And notice with me in verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore being justified by what? Being justified by faith, we have peace. You know, it's good to know that you're justified. Amen? It's good to know that you've been placed into right standing with God. And what, that, what happens in your life when that becomes an understanding is you have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now read verse 2 with me. Verse 2 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand knows the progression we access this grace by faith and then we stand in it and then we rest in it but while we're resting and while we're standing we should also be doing some rejoicing why should I be rejoicing because it is done 
I'm rejoicing because it is finished. Oh, hallelujah. So many people, and, and, and I can tell it's quiet in here because maybe this is ministering to you real strong today. So many people struggle because they don't believe that everything they need is already finished and just waiting to be claimed. It's difficult for some people to believe that Jesus would do something for them without them having to earn it. We live in a very performance-based society, do we not? I mean, if you don't measure up, just forget it. If you don't have this degree or that degree, don't even think about applying to this job. If you're not a certain height, if you don't have a certain look, you just forget it. You don't measure up. That is the world system. We are not trying to measure up. Jesus already measured us up. We are not trying to be accepted in the beloved. Jesus already accepted us in the beloved. We are not trying to qualify through our education or lack thereof or our looks. Jesus already qualified you. I prophesy over you today, you're already accepted, you're already qualified, you're already righteous, you're already justified. So shout and sing for the work has been done. Hallelujah. Well, you're just not good enough. You don't measure up. You're not going to make the team. I don't want to be on that team anyway. I'm on God's team. Jesus is my captain. Hallelujah. And he is on your side. You see, Christ becomes no effect to those that are trying to be justified by the law. The Bible says they've fallen from grace. The Lord showed me two sides of a coin fallen from grace. One side is, you know, it's possible to be backslidden to the degree where you just don't want Christ anymore. That's falling from grace. But the other side of the coin fallen from grace is this, and I believe this. It means falling back into self-efforts and performance, trying to receive what he's already accomplished. Here's what legalism says. We're talking about, I choose. You need to choose this every day. Because all around you is competition. All around you is comparison. All around you is the lies. You don't measure up. You don't add up. You need to choose grace. Say with me, I choose grace grace. over legalism. legalism. See, legalism says we must work to try to finish what Jesus has completed. But the only work remaining for us is to enter into His rest. Say with me, I receive and I rest in the Lord. See, the true test of believing is to receive and rest. Some of you just need to relax and rest in your healing. You don't have to make 2,000 confessions every day trying to talk God into a notion of healing you. Have you not read in the Word, by His stripes you were healed? I mean, how many times have you got to say it and say it and say it and say it and say it to get it? No, the fact of the matter is you already got it. Now rejoice in it and say it because it's yours. Are you getting this or are you not getting this? Stop the legalistic works. 
Stop the legalism of trying to prosper by trying to do this and trying to do that. Let go and let God prosper you. He is a faithful God and He will supply your every need. Oh, I know I'm preaching it good now. Rest in your healing. Rest in your provision. Rest in who God made you to be. Don't try to be PT. Don't try to be me. Please don't try to be me. Just be who you are in Christ. You're gifted. You got the greater one on the inside of you. You got something to offer this generation. You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. Why not just be the real deal instead of a cheap copy? Amen. 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 And just rest. Rest in Him. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you are only going to be responsible for what God called you to do. You cannot do what others are doing. You be you. You be who you are. In Christ Jesus. And the choir said, Amen. Amen. Rest in your provision. It's already done. Rest in your peace. Rest, my brothers and sisters, in the past tenses of God's Word. Who has delivered you from the power of darkness? Who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? Who has healed you? Come on, I'm preaching. He's already done it and said it is finished. Now you let it be finished down here. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And I will establish your word in my heart. By believing and receiving and entering into the rest of God. I have a great handout for you today. It's called The Law Versus Grace. Let me read some of it to you. And on the way out when we leave in a few moments today... You can pick up a copy of this. This is something you're going to want in your library. And it's so important to remind yourself of it regularly. Here's what the law. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus. The law prohibits us from coming to God, but grace bids us to come as we are. The law condemned the sinner, but grace redeems the sinner. The law slays with a curse, but grace... Hallelujah, quickens with a blessing. The law says, try to do your best. Grace says, trust and rest. The law says, the wages of sin is death. Grace says, the gift of God is eternal life. The law was written on stone, but grace is written on your heart. The law brings you into bondage, but grace sets you at liberty. It genders fear, but grace genders faith. You see, many people, instead of viewing Jesus as their shepherd, view him as a taskmaster. You know, over in Exodus, they were cruel to the children of Israel. They had to come up with a quota every day. And if they didn't come up with the quota of straw, if they didn't come up with the quota of what they demanded, they would beat them. And they would beat them to a pulp. The scripture says, 
Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today forever? Impossible goals, unachievable standards. No matter what you do and whatever, what they did, it was never enough. But I hear the Spirit of God saying, I'm more than enough. And I'm more than enough for you. And I'm more than enough in you. Hallelujah. Say with me, thank God you're more than enough. The truth of the matter is, there is a spirit called a religious spirit that will try to pass itself on as the Holy Spirit. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Because a religious spirit is a spirit of legalism. It's one that drives. It is one that is based on performance. It's one that is based on what you can do and what you can produce. And here's what happens. Is people can get under spiritual compulsion. And they can live in a religious expectation and a religious pressure cooker. And a religious pressure cooker of condemnation. And so what happens... It's easy for us to live in a frantic state, fearful of making a mistake, fearful of saying the wrong thing, continually feeling like we're displeasing God. And then that religious spirit comes along and says things like, you're not praying enough. You don't pray like Brother Hot Rod. You don't fast like Sister Sue. You're not praying enough. You're not fasting enough. You're not confessing enough. Oh, and that person that you were supposed to witness to, you should have witnessed to everyone in the restaurant. That, my friends, is not the Holy Spirit. That is a religious spirit driving people. Not praying enough. You're not doing enough. You're out of the will of God. And I'm telling you, the list just goes on and on. And on. And a lot of God's people walk around with condemnation in their soul. They walk around feeling rejected. And that's when folks get into hyperactive works, works, works. How many of you know that you and I need to discover the true yoke of Jesus? I want to close in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Did you get anything out of today? This is a freeing message. This is a liberating message. Listen to this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And I think we should read it together because it really, I believe it resonates with what the Spirit of the Lord is, is, is saying to us. Let's read together. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. That's my prayer for you. That you enter in to what has already been done, you enter in to what has already been accomplished for you. In closing, let me just say this. Grace is not founded on works. But listen to this. Grace does not imply the absence of works. Come on. You don't earn your salvation by works. 
but you can express it by works. Grace is not earned, but once it is received, it can be expressed. Grace is not merited, but once it is imparted, it can be manifested. See, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're saved unto good works. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you that I believe that you've helped me and I give you glory, precious Lord, precious Holy Spirit, for your enablement to minister this message twice today. I know that I can't do this in and of myself. Only you can impart the truth and make a lasting change in people's hearts and people's minds. I pray, Father, for your precious sheep today that the eyes of our spirits would continuously be flooded with light and that we would be strengthened by the grace of God that you've made available to us. Lord, we thank you that there's layers and layers and layers and layers upon grace. We have grace in our life. It makes the difference. I give you praise and give you glory for it in Jesus' name.